Welcome to today's episode of Conversations with John and Lisa. And Lisa, today I'm so excited. Uh, We are actually not only have a special day, but it's going to be an historic day because this is the day in which the Saints message officially launches, January 21st. And so not only is... it's not just a, a message launching, it's a... Messenger launching. Exactly. So... Messenger International has predominantly been John and Lisa. Of course, we've had sons and daughters, which which has done amazing. But this is the day that we really announce to the world. We have a new, really um, forward messenger that's going to be before you and bring messages, we believe, from heaven. And Lisa, I said this on the last podcast, and it's worth saying again. When I first heard Addison preach this message in Italy, I was I was floored, and I, th- the first thought I just came cried to, the whole time. I know, and and you know the thoughts that kept going through my mind is I'd love to do conferences with this man of God all over the world, and uh, th- that that's the first thing I thought, and the second thing I thought is this is profound. Mm-hmm. So he's not an echo of you and I, but mm-hmm. he does he does have our yeah. influence, but he's got a unique voice from heaven, which God gives to people that are faithful, and and, and we have not been those kind of parents that are like oh just because there are kids they get a platform no we haven't no we, we have not hate been... entitlement yeah but anyway so, no so um, so we, no and i just you know i just want to say that it's something beautiful when you're not just listening to your son it's what you said you you have I'm a, listening to a, a man of designation god. that he has wrestled with god and god has changed his name yeah and and added a god touch to his name so we're super excited about it I am, Lisa. And, and and plus the fact, when he was a little baby, people spoke over him that mm-hmm. he would be a great messenger one day for the kingdom. So yeah. anyway, the title of his book is called Saints. So Lisa, why don't we why don't we get into this? Yeah. So, you know, we've got Addison joining with us today. Hello, Addison. Yeah, hey. he's with us. So <laughs> we're not just here. talking about him. We're talking I am in the room. I'm hearing him. all of these yes, things. Yes, yes, we they are. they mean a lot. Thank you, Dad. Yeah, Thank you, Mom. Absolutely. You know, Love and you so the title, Saints. Saints. Becoming More Than Christian. Can can you talk about that? I mean, it almost seems like, wait, what just yeah. happened there? Yeah, I've, I've got some interesting <laughs> questions doing interviews about this. They're like, so are you campaigning against the term Christian? I'm like, no, no, I, I, I'm a big fan of Christ. I, I love being a follower of Christ, but I'm not a big fan of the cultural labels and the stigmas and the stereotypes that are attached to this idea of being a Christian. And this, this really hit me several years ago. I was on a plane, and I was seated next to a talker. And I'm, I'm very introverted. When I get on a plane, it's like head forward. I pretend like the person next to me doesn't exist, which is really rude when they're sitting three it inches away from me. incredibly rude. Yeah, so I normally get convicted by the Holy Spirit and say something to them um, to acknowledge their existence. Like, hi, person. Yeah, like, hi. <laughs> can I help you with anything? Anyway, so I, I started talking with this lady, and, like, she would not let it go. It was like I was trying to wind the conversation down, and she kept grabbing it. Hour and a half later, she is shared almost everything with story me, your whole life, life story. Um, it's, it's been one of those profound experiences. And then she turns to me and she goes, so, um, so what religious practice do you follow? And I knew because I had heard her whole life story that this lady was not a big fan of Christians. And I just sat there and I was like, oh my goodness, how can I respond in a way that honors who I am as a follower of Christ? Because I'm not ashamed of being a yeah, follower of Christ. We're not of Jesus. Like there's, there's no person who, who got this humanity thing right the way he did. So like, I want to follow in his footsteps. I want to learn his ways. But I could feel the tension in that moment because if I, if I were to say like, oh, I'm, I'm a Christian, I know there were barriers that would have just come up you between us. Her, I would have lost her in that moment. And so that's something that honestly I've wrestled with my pretty much my whole adult life. 
And several years ago, I was reading this book, and it wasn't about saints, but the author made mention of a saint. And it was a single sentence in an obscure paragraph in the middle of the book. And the author said that saints practice and participate in the mystery of the final day. Wait, can you say that again? That's just too beautiful. Yeah, they said, saints practice and participate in the mystery of the final day. Wow. So and I, powerful. And like, like you and like most people, when I think of a saint, I think of stained glass windows. I icons, think of people who lived halos. a long time ago. Yeah, icons. I think of very institutional religion. And so when I encountered this new idea of what a saint is, I was like, wait, I need to dive into this. And I could just sense the Holy Spirit was saying, do a deep dive, take a hard look at this. And what I found is that to be a saint is to be disruptive. When we think of in the present, in the now, when we think of saints, we think of people who lived a long time ago who died. But a saint is action identifier that energizes and gives meaning to the present. Okay, it's not now, about what okay. has been. It's yeah. about what is and Very what good. will be. That's Very good. That's what it is to be a saint. So again, for the people that are still trying to get their mind t- around <laughs> the concept of saints and yeah. the final day, like what? go back yeah. and do what you just said, actionable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if, if you look at the New Testament, and this is when it really hit me. If you look at the New Testament, you find the word Christian used three times. Three times. Twice in Acts, once in First Peter. That's it. Three times. You guys hearing that? But you find the word... Yeah, this is all for JB because JB loves his numbers. But you find the word saint. Listen <laughs> to this. JB is dad, by the JB way. JB is... is <laughs> that's what I call him around the office. <laughs> dad. Podcast, podcast dad. <laughs> you find this word saint over 60 times. Wait, okay. Over Wait, 60... Are we, that's amazing. 20 times more. Times. Over okay. 20 times more than the word Christian. And and so here here's what it made me think. Okay. This was the first century. This is when the church, the followers of Jesus, were turning the world upside down. Why were they doing that? And mm-hmm. here's, here's the big idea. Saints are disruptive in the present. And when, and when Paul would write his letters, he would say, like, to the saints in Philippi, to the saints in Corinth, to the saints you know, in Rome. You saying that right now, I'm thinking about that. Paul never said to the Christians no. in Ephesus, to the Christians in Colossia. He said never. to the saints. To the saints. Why? He's saying, all of you are saints, and because you are saints, there's something significant that is happening in your life right now. And the early church had this profound awareness of the significance of their life. That's why they turned the world upside down. And and saints, they deconstruct the barrier between the secular and the sacred. That's good. And that's what we saw in the first church. We saw this movement of people that would not be divided by socioeconomic status, by culture, by ethnicity. All of those things started falling apart, breaking down, and they came together for a vision that energized the present. And saints are people who capture that vision, and because they have a vision of what it should look like, where God is moving this toward, they find practical demonstrations of his love, his justice, his goodness, his faithfulness in their everyday lives. So they don't manifest the kingdom just on Sunday morning when they go to church. They're manifesting heaven on earth on Wednesday, in the board meeting, on Friday, when they're bringing their kids to school. Absolutely, and that's, and that's the idea. Is like it permeates every area of our lives. And so Sunday and Wednesday are both holy. Like We have this idea like Sunday is that. holy. No, Wednesday is holy, Thursday is holy, Friday is holy. And you're not just saying Wednesday because it's a midweek service. You're saying every, <laughs> yeah. every yeah. part every. every part of our life. And if you look at the book of Acts, motherhood like that, is holy. Motherhood is holy. Being a spouse is holy. Mm-hmm. Your job, your work, the value that you're creating for this world, that's holy. And one of the great lies of the enemy has been what you do day in and day out doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. So the enemy of our soul, he's, he's brilliant. Okay, can I, can I bring clarification? I know this answer, but yeah. I know a lot of people listening. 
you just went, you jumped from saints to holy. Okay, right. you, you're saying this day's holy. How, how does that relate to saints? Yeah, you know, so saint actually means holy one. Okay, so that's okay. that's actually what that word means. It means holy one. It has it has so many other connotations, but the literal definition is holy one. And so what Paul is saying, he's saying your life matters now. You are holy. And in First Corinthians three, we find this idea where Paul calls us God's temple. And the temple in the Old Testament that was the microcosm where heaven and earth met. That's so, so good. So what, Addison, what Paul's saying, he's saying, everywhere one. you go, <laughs> you are God's temple. And he says, God's mm-hmm. temple is holy, and that is exactly what you are. You are holy. So that what that means is everywhere you go, every space you find yourself in, every relationship you find yourself in, there's, a, there's an opportunity for the holiness, for the otherness, for the beauty, for the wonder of God to be revealed in that dynamic, that That's interaction. That's so good. So, but what the enemy does, because he's terrified of this, yeah. and this is brilliant. Like he's, honestly, he's brilliant. And at we distorting. need to be aware of his tactics. Mm-hmm. He's brilliant at distorting. What he does is he says, what you do today really doesn't matter. How you live today really doesn't matter. And he attaches or associates meaning with what has been or what will be. He never allows you to find meaning in the present. That's he so always good. gets you thinking, oh, if things were just like how they once were, or one day when I graduate I, from college or I get married or I get that opportunity, then I will have a life of significance. Okay. Now I want to pause for a moment. Yeah. I hope every young mother heard that and understanding that this season of the blessed blur, that's what I call Come my on. kids. <laughs> it's a holy blur. <laughs> it is holy. Yeah. You know, this job that you're working in right now that you don't like. Uh, maybe you're a young man. Maybe you're a young girl. This this moment in college, it's holy. It, it is. is not a, a something that is a, you know, a, a, an empty void. It's a holy. You're moment. not filling space. And, you're and not I love that time. you said otherness because you don't hear judgment in the word holy. When we are carriers of the holy, we're not trying to force other people to be holy. We're in inviting them into holy because we are a representation of that. Well, we try to reduce holiness to moralism. We try to reduce it to a certain expression. But the reality is holiness is something that only belongs to God. Separate. And when we live in holiness, we're receiving from his divine nature. We're becoming partakers of his otherness, as Peter writes in Second Peter 1. So it is, it is that defining attribute of God. And you talk about this all the time, Dad, in Isaiah 6, where the angels are saying, holy, 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 in Revelation 4, holy, holy, holy. What the, they're seeing the otherness of God. It's not like they're watching God not sin. I mean, let's just think about right. it. It's not that they're like, yes. you're yes. so morally good. God, no, thank now, you for don't, not doing that. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Like, he is moral. He is, and, I'm not, and I'm not taking perfection. away from that. Right. But what right. they're responding to is they're seeing someone Transcend. who transcends words. Mm-hmm. They're seeing someone that they're just looking at. All they can do is respond from the depths of their being, and they're saying, holy, there is no one like you. You are entirely other. And when we start to get that revelation of who God is, and we understand, like, when he calls us holy ones, he's essentially saying, I've called you. In whatever space you find yourself in, in whatever season you find yourself in, I've called you to be a representation of my holiness. Man, that shakes up our world. And that's the thing about saints is they shake up their world. They disrupt the status quo because they have this vision of holiness that requires them to get their hands dirty, that requires them to do things in the mundane, to do things in the seemingly insignificant in their everyday lives. And we talk a lot about the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. That was Jesus' favorite topic, right? He talked about the kingdom of God more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Well, where, where does rubber meet the road with the kingdom of God? It's that mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. God reconciling us to him mm-hmm. and we as his ambassadors 
being representations and messengers of mm -hmm. this message of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. And so if we're going to be honest about the kingdom of God invading the kingdom of earth, we have to realize that happens at, in the context of relationship, which is in our everyday lives. So this isn't some abstract, esoteric idea. It's an idea, it's an identity that requires us to figure out what does this mean for me today? And the beautiful thing is the empowerment is there. We just have to open our eyes. I, I remember I had a cataract surgery a couple years ago. And, um, and you guys know I've had a cataract since I was very young. The doctor thought it was trauma-induced. Probably happened when I was in the womb or during my first year of life. So sorry. Yeah, sorry. Whatever you're doing, Mom, when you're pregnant with me, thanks a lot. But, I worked full-time. But they, they told me when I was young, when they discovered they told me, we can't operate on you till you're in your 30s. So I waited till I was in my 30s. And then I went in and I had the operation done. And what they do with cataract surgery is they cut out your lens and they put in an artificial lens. And so I had that done. And then there were complications. Yes. And I couldn't see clearly through my right eye after that. And there were complications. So I had to do it again. I had to get another operation. That didn't work. And then I had two other procedures after that. So four procedures in total. Okay. So after the final procedure, I'm sitting there and my eyesight is no different out of my right eye and i look at the doctor i'm like doctor what is going on like i've gone through all this trauma i've spent all this money like why can't i see clearly through my right eye and he looked at me and he said addison i can't give you a clearer eye he's like you have a perfect eye he said your brain is convinced you are still seeing through a cataract you are still seeing through a fog Wow. And this this is so why that Jesus was the filter in was the your filter. brain. This is why Jesus again and again and again would reiterate this idea of eyes to see, ears yeah. to hear, heart to perceive yeah. and understand. This is why James yes. and James one talks yeah. about the mirror. This yeah. is why Paul in Second Corinthians three talks about the spirit giving us understanding so we can see things clearly. We have to come to this place where we realize like we have this full, this complete gift of salvation, but a part of realizing what it is to be the people of God is humbling ourselves so we can receive grace because God gives grace to the humble but opposes the proud to see our world, to see ourselves the way he sees it. And that is not what the enemy wants to see happen. Right. No. <laughs> he doesn't. And for me, mom, like I didn't need a physical miracle. I needed a, a mental miracle yeah so can i can i make a statement because um when when i did the course on porn free i did a lot of study on medical journals about our, our uh, neural patterns and it's interesting to me that the bible says that we're we're transformed when we renew our mind so why this message is so important to me is everything in the kingdom works under the 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 foundation of what we believe you know you the foundation is faith towards god right it's, it's first of all repentance, change the way you think, and develop your faith in God, according to Hebrews 6. So when we really believe that we're set-apart ones, what happens is a natural, we, we unleash that divine nature that's in us. When we it's already there. It's the implanted we are, word. are sinners saved by grace, and that we are just like no different which, than which anybody we else. Were. We, 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 we were. No, 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 we were. Yeah. When we think what, what we still are, we just unworthy worms, we're yeah. stuck. Right. We're still in, stuck with our sin nature. Now, all of a sudden, we're going to operate out of that because right. our brain is still thinking that way. So if your brain was changed right now and said, I got a fresh lens, you would see clearly. Right. But but your new neural patterns are saying, uh-uh, you can't see anymore. So, you know, th there is actually a scientist that's a friend of ours that they did a study where people were reading history books, they were reading 
right? They were reading um, medical journals. They were reading other religions, and they were reading the Bible. And where they saw neural patterns change is with the people that were reading the Bible. And so what you've done is the Holy Spirit has put a message on you that when people read this book, all of a sudden, they're going to see themselves different. Their neural patterns are going to change, and I believe that transformation is going to come. So this, I want, I want, to, I want to really emphasize, you don't read anointed books to get information. You know, read anointed books because it changes the way you think and see and perceive things so that you are automatically transformed. Yeah. A lot of people are trying to say, I'm going to be better today. I'm going to do this. That You're going to fail terribly. Because transformation doesn't happen until you see and perceive things in your mind different. That's when the transformation occurs. And that's why I love this message. I did a whole chapter called Mirror, Mirror in this book. And it's it's this whole idea of what, what mirror you're going to look through. Mm-hmm. Because we do. We have a choice as, as children of God, as, as people who have this beautiful, robust gift of salvation. We get to choose. Are we going to see ourselves through that gift? through the lens of that gift? Are we going to see ourselves through the limiting labels and failures and expectations that people have placed on us? You know, I also, I mean, going back to what you're talking about and what John's saying here, you know, when something has become compromised, and unfortunately, the label of Christian has become compromised. I'm not, again, not Christ. Right. Not Christ. The Christian in uh, and of itself is not a bad word. No, Christian means anointed one. It means little Christ. It's not a bad word, but it has... Uh, it has been attached to other labels that are less than attractive. It's Christians are known for what they're against, not what they're for. Christians are known for being white Republicans or Christians are known for this or that. You know, I find it very fascinating that God might just be doing something where he says, I'm going to give you a new banner. I'm going to give you a new banner where I can call you a saint. And it's not becoming less, but it's becoming more more than Christians. Right. And it's not that Christian was was uh, never, it was never bad. It's just not big enough for what God is looking for. And, you know, Addison's a millennial. Addison, he's, he's, he's in the upper bracket of it. You know, he's just kind of, he snuck in there. But Addison's a millennial. And, and I have found that uh, it isn't that millennials want to leave the church. It's that they are desperate for something more. Well, they are leaving the church because they're desperate for something more. Well, the, yeah, I'm, I'm I mean, saying it's are, not like they're like, but let's they're looking, just leave. No, they're they, looking yes, for spirituality absolutely. elsewhere. And we yeah. are. Like, we're seeing this rise of, of millennials An exodus and, from, and people in general who have no religious yeah. affiliation, but they're spiritually aware. And it's because they're looking for something, something that our, more. our system, like we've... I'll put it like this. In our attempts to be systematic, we systematically remove the wonder and power from the gospel message. And then we wonder why our churches aren't a representation of a power and a glory that's greater than us. We've, we've essentially told God, God, you've made us in your image. Now we're going to return the favor. We're going to make a God who is the personification of what we like best about ourselves mm-hmm. and our church and our comfort zones. And we're going to fit you into that box. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's what Jesus told his disciples in Acts. He's like, you will not fit this message of the gospel into your ethnic and cultural and and geographic comfort zone. It's like you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's like you need to get this in your head. This message is bigger than you. It's bigger than your comfort zone because the end goal where this is all headed is like it says in Habakkuk 2 that the the knowledge of the glory of God would cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. There is nothing off limits. Every single space 
is holy. Every single space will be reclaimed. And we, we have to ask ourselves, are we going to be willing to be a part of that redemptive work? Or are we going to stand on the side and play this safe version of Christianity? So I feel such a privilege as somebody who is a baby boomer to actually have these conversations. And um, a lot of times people are afraid of these hard conversations. And yet Jesus had them everywhere he went. He told stories. He had co- hard conversations. Because I do think there is an, an incredible unrest. You know, your dad and I have had the privilege of speaking on some of the largest platforms on the face of the earth, but neither of us became Christians to be speakers or performers. We came to be ministers. And, you know, I, I, I'm thinking we're just on the tail end of Christmas season. And, and um, you know, when, when Jesus appeared, uh, and when the angels appeared to the shepherds, they, they said, Emmanuel, yeah. God with us. God with us. He said, Emmanuel. He didn't say one day you'll be with us. God with us. And, and it was so interesting. You know, it's kind of like, why were we surprised that Gentiles got factored in? Because he told the shepherds, peace on earth and goodwill to all men. He didn't say all Jewish men, you know? And so I love that this has disrupted some of my thinking, um, not in a bad way, but in a, could it be? That there's more. Yeah. Could it be that the hunger that is inside of the younger generation needs to be echoed by the older generation? Could it be that uh, what I remember seeing on you guys, um, that I have always prayed that you guys would go further, that you would go farther, that you would see up close what I had only seen in the distance, that you would lay hands on the things that I've, I'll never touch, and that you'll speak out loud with great declarations. I think this message of saints has the ability to be a communion for everybody who will receive it, not as a criticism, but as an invitation. So Addison, I want to know, what is your greatest hope? Like as you were penning, what was your prayer? What did you want to see happen with this message? I think, uh, I mean, just, I have the benefit of having you two as my parents. And I just, I want to honor you too for the way that you taught me to love God and love scripture and, and dad teaching me the fear of the Lord, standing in awe of God's otherness, this, this fear to be away from God, not fear to be near God, but fear to be away from God because I want to experience his presence. Mm. I want to know the blueprints of higher living. Like that's what the fear of the Lord is. It's the blueprints of higher living. It's seeing things the way he sees them because we're intimate with him, right? And mom, the way you have always challenged me to look outside of the status quo. You've always said you're more than what you see right now in this moment, right? And so thank you. You're and welcome. and it has it's inspired me because I know a lot of people out there they didn't they didn't grow up with what I was blessed to have. And so the first thing is I believe that this book can offer a fresh look at faith for a world that's losing hope in religion. I that's love the first that. thing. A fresh look at faith. There's a lot of disillusioned people. There is and, and you I mean you know this the book is full of scripture. I'm not no. I'm not making a new religion no, here. This I'm not, a, yeah. this I'm not an, suggesting. Yeah, and this is not history. No, no. This is not history. You know, but can I uh, can I say this? That's uh, the when, first thing. Though. When 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 you've got an anointed book, it's like the Holy Spirit shines a flashlight on particular scriptures that you couldn't see before, and that's what happens when you read books like this. Well, and I also try to share scriptures within the greater narrative of scripture, and I feel like oftentimes when we miss 
the largeness of what God is doing. That's when we just cherry picked certain ideas from scripture yeah. and then built a doctrine that reflected our comfort zone or our plan or ideology. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I want people to realize that the good life, because we were all made for the good life. It says that Ecclesiastes 3.11, that eternity was written on our hearts. So there's an expansiveness. There's a largeness inside of us that drives us forward, that drives us to progress, that drives us to know something that's greater than what we know. And I want people to know that the good life, it isn't something you find. It isn't something you achieve. It's someone you become. That's and really that's the good. journey. Yeah, I want you to say that one more time. That's the journey becoming a saint. <laughs> you got <it. laughs> the, the good, good life, life is... isn't something you find. It's someone you become. Yeah. And and it's in that journey of becoming that we discover everything that God has for us. And it's also available to every single person, regardless of their location, their language, their financial position, any, right? Like there's no like it's available to it's all of us. It's not an American cultural. That we yes. And well, then the third the third thing is people to deconstruct the barrier between the sacred and the secular. So they see their entire lives, their integrated existence as an expression of God's glory. You know, so, the one last thing I want to say, you know, I noticed that you are very intentional, not just to weave concepts, but to weave imagery. There's creative elements in this book that reawakens that hunger for holiness and would I say the sacred. And I just want to thank you for the time that you sewed in this book and the artwork that you took the time to commission. Addison, again, I can't say enough about how excited I am. But I love you, Mom. People, thank you. Don't make me cry. Okay, so they've been listening, and they want to get a hold of this message. How do they do it? Yeah, they could go, I mean, honestly, wherever books are sold. Uh, just make sure to keep your receipt, because you can go to addisonbevere.com or saintsbook.co and put your receipt in, and you get a whole bunch of goodies, including access to the Saint Study. And they can also go to messengerpodcast.com forward slash offer, and the offer will be on there as well. And if you're driving right now and panicking, it will be on our website. <laughs> yeah, it's on our website. I mean, it'll be on Amazon. You can go search on Amazon. But again, that's addisonbevere.com or saintsbook.co. Well, thank you, Addison, for taking the time to write this message, taking yes, the, the years of hardship that it went through, that you went through to get this message from heaven, the obedience that you walked in. And I know a lot of lives are going to be greatly impacted because of your obedience. So, and I with, and I want to do a teeny little bio thing. You know, we we did tell everybody he was our son, but he is the father of our four grandkids. Yep, and the husband of the magnificent Juliana. Yes, and part of the sons and daughters TV uh, TV team. And how many were years have you worked at Messenger? Uh, fifteen. 15? Yeah, fifteen. Yes. Going fifteen on this 16. year. Yeah. Fifteen. So years. just just kind of just kind of putting a little cred out there for him. <laughs> yeah. So hey, everybody, please subscribe. Uh, to the podcast and please write a review because you doing this, you're actually helping other people be able to get this material. If it's helping you help others to get it. And we are just so honored and privileged to be able to speak into your lives. And until next time, this has been conversations with John and Lisa. Thanks for listening to conversations with John and Lisa. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review and be sure to subscribe and share these episodes through iTunes. You can also connect with John and Lisa through Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next time.